Expectations by Mark Evans, Volume 4, Chapter the Third, A Wretched Life Made Much, Much Sadder. So, well, I am uncommonly angry today. If I were a dinosaur, I'd be a Grumposaurus Rex. <laughs> Your son-in-law, sir? He is late again. I've known dead people less late than him. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Sarkle, sir. Late. Excuse. <laughs> we came via Scotland, Sir Philip. You live two streets away. Alas, the driver of our handsome cab tried to use his new sat-nav system. <laughs> sat-nav? Short for saturated navvy. <laughs> you ask a rough labourer who has been caught in a heavy rainstorm for directions. Alas, ours did not know his way around London. You nincompoopip, mind-shatteringly cretinous pair of stupids. <laughs> yes, it is an amusing story, isn't it? <laughs> You made me rigid with rage and inflexible with infuriation. Ah, fortunately, Sir Philip, I have something that will relax you. Behold! Well, that's not a bottle of brandy and a friendly scullery, maid. <laughs> this is Mr. Soothmutch's patented tension-begone gentleman's relaxinator. A life-enhancing medical marvel up there with radioactive tobacco. <laughs> Firstly, small steam-driven pistons gently pummel the shoulders. Relaxing. Then electrically driven paddles lightly caress the skin. Most pleasant. <laughs> Finally, the horse-drawn featherator tickles the back. <laughs> the horse has trodden on me. Not relaxing. Oh, well, I, I, I shall turn up the pummeling and slapping to compensate. Ow, 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 ow. This is now the least relaxing experience of my life. And I once drank 9,000 cups of coffee, then tried to diffuse a bomb in a lion's mouth while wearing trousers made of what? Ah, ah, but when I press this button, the machine will gently release you into a soothing bar. Whoa! Or violently hurl you through the window into a tree. What could be more relaxing, Papa? Slipping into a comfortable pair of slippers and then kicking your husband to death? <laughs> Tarquil, you shall join me in this tree to hear more of my story. Very well. I'm here. Good. <laughs> you pushed me up. Listen from there. My story continues now. Last time, you heard how I thwarted my twice-dead, evil, ex-guardian Mr. Benevolent's plan to conquer the world with demons and rescued my wife ripely from the underworld. Alas, though her body lived, her mind was an empty vessel. Can you remember nothing of our life together? I remember... Sandwiches? Two pieces of bread with filling between them. Oh, then I do not remember sandwiches. <laughs> While my wife struggled to remember, my best friend struggled to forget. My wife, Pippa, has left me to become Mr. Benevolent's evil consort. <laughs> he could not decide whether to lose himself in work or drink, so he tried both. <laughs> I've invented a machine which opens a bottle of beer and then throws darts at a picture of Pippa. <laughs> ah! Ah, it needs adjusting. 
Harry, this drunken vengeance will not help. Ah, but does it not say in the Bible, leave me alone, I'm miserable. <laughs> you need a project to take you out of yourself. I need a kebab. <laughs> Recently, a railway bridge had been built across the Firth of Forth. And using my influence, I got Harry the job of building its successor, a bridge across the Forth of Fifth. He hurled himself into it, working 18 or even 20 minutes a day. 148 days a week, which averaged out at about a normal week's work. Finished! There was a grand opening ceremony, which I attended with my poor amnesiac wife. Alas, so did other less welcome guests. Ah, I do love a nice, definitely not going to collapse bridge opening. Mr. Benevolent, Pippa. That sound, it, it stirs a memory. Of us? A tapping foot, a, a creaking gate, a, a baby crying, and then no! Look out! Oh, death! Cruel and merciless death! Perhaps a happy childhood memory. <laughs> I must go and lie down. If I can remember how. How? I can't. She still remembers nothing? Lucky her, or she'd remember being married to you. What is that strange squeaking? It is my evil leather suit. Here's Foxy's new image. He dressed so scruffily before he met me. It smells unbearably leathery and looks incredibly tight. Well, if someone didn't keep eating... Yes, yes, if someone didn't keep baking evil scones and naughty pies. Now it's so tight, his thighs chafe. He gets nappy rash. Well, Pippin, time to open the bridge I built in order to forget about Pippa and Mr. Benevolent. Ah! It is Pippa and Mr. Benevolent! Hello, Harry. Hello, Pippa. Are you well? No, I am evil. Today, I placed less postage on a letter than the weight demanded. <laughs> And killed a bishop. That does pretty much cover both ends of the evil spectrum. Tell me, Biscuit, how will your bridge fail? It will not, for it is built using a new metal invented by science and my head. What metal? Parium. It is a fruit-based metal, like, um... <laughs> plumston or strawberrium. And the parium girders are held together by highly trained swans. Well... Trained swans. <laughs> well, swans. <laughs> it is very hard to train them. Ah, uh, here comes the train. I'm going to move closer to get a really good view of the collapse of Tharp. Ooh, ow, chafey. The train approached, pulling carriages full of lovely old ladies, sad puppies, ill horses, and optimistic orphans. <laughs> it is crossing the bridge. Snack, anyone? Oh, please. Mm. Ah! Oh, what is this? Just a bag of Dr. Avian Gastronome's luxury swan food for swans. The swans, binding the bridge together, raced hungrily towards Mr. Benevolent, and the entire structure collapsed into a heap of fruity metal. The train has plunged into the sea. I shall launch my fleet of bread-based rescue vessels. No! No, they've gone soggy and sunk. Oh, I knew I should have made them from blotting paper. Sorry about the bridge, Harry. Oh, well... Not! <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Laters. <laughs> oh, 
my profile. <laughs> in time, the fruit metal girders dissolved in the waters and became the basis of a popular Scottish soft drink. <laughs> but in the short term, we were assailed by public outrage. You rubbish bridge-building twitheads! Ow! Must the outrage come in the form of a brick? Hmm? Why not in the form of a cake? Life was becoming intolerable until an unexpected invitation. Dear Sir Philip Bin, I've long admired your work and would be delighted if you were to visit America to give public readings of your excellent books. Yours sincerely and with no intention of luring you into a trap, Randolph Grimpunch. An invitation to America and no trap. How splendid. <laughs> And how kind of you to come and read the invitation out yourself. <laughs> I couldn't find a stamp. We were to travel on the most advanced passenger ship in the world, the SS Massive Britain. It was enormous, dwarfing everything around it. People, other ships, the Isle of Wight. As we boarded, we met its engineer. I am Mr. Anything Brunel can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than him. May I call you, I can do anything better than him? No, you can't. <laughs> the ship was so big, it had its own internal railway. This is the dining room. All change, please. All change into evening dress. There we made a most welcome acquaintance. Sir Philip Bin, my name is Professor Mnemonic Recollection, renowned memory expert. I can make your wife's lack of memory a memory. Oh, lovely wordplay. You're hired. <laughs> Under his tutelage, Ripley's progress was as encouraging as a friendly uncle offering a sweet if you could ride your bike to him. Oh, I remember so much now. All the kings and queens of England, pie to 800 decimal places, and every card in this pack backwards. Splendid. Sorry, you are... Pip. <laughs> I am your husband, Pip. <laughs> Meanwhile, Harry had news. I have a new wife to replace Pippa. Pip Bin, this is Doris. Hello, dearie. <laughs> Doris is a rich old widow. Mr Benevolent will not take her, for she is frankly old and smells a bit of cat food. <laughs> Unless Mr Benevolent likes the smell of cat food. Surely not. Anyway, the ship's captain married us this morning. And you did not invite me? Thought it would be too weird. Exes, family and so on. So I had a swan as my best man. Great speech. Great speech. <laughs> it was unexpected news. And the next day, Harry had unexpected -er news. I have got another new wife to replace Pippa. This is Doris. Hello, dearie. <laughs> but you already married Doris. No, no, this is another Doris. This Doris does not smell a bit of cat food, in case Mr Benevolent does like the smell of cat food and steals the first Doris. Oh, Harry. I couldn't help myself. This ship is full of old widows seeking husbands. For a failed inventor whose proper wife left him for an evil genius, creating a chasm of misery in a once jolly spirit, it is a target-rich environment. Harry did not stop there. The next day, he married three more widows. <laughs> Insurance. Uh, what if Mr Benevolent stole the first two new wives? In the end, Harry married 93 new wives. <laughs> Mr Benevolent will not steal these wives because they're all very old and love me. Apart from my beautiful young Mexican wife, Juanita Hot Chili, who I suspect might be using me for citizenship purposes. Do they know about each other? Gosh, no. No, no. 
No, it is exhausting being married to 93 women who must never meet. There is a lot of rushing around and hiding in cupboards. And I find my trousers keep falling down at awkward moments, especially when there's a vicar around. <laughs> Eventually, we reached New York and were greeted by its most famous statue. Uh, not the Statue of Liberty we know today, but its predecessor, a 200-foot-high granite George Washington standing on a dead red coat and blowing a raspberry towards Britain. <laughs> Uh-oh, wives approaching from nine different directions. Harry, when shall we go to the passport office? <laughs> Mustache. Oh, blast these trousers. Oh, morning, Reverend. <laughs> We disembarked and Harry rushed off to check 93 different wives into 93 different hotels, while Ripley and I were met by Mr. Grimpunch. Welcome to New York. We must hurry for our first reading starts in nine minutes. So soon? This is the city that never sleeps, breakfasts all day and often shoots you for being late. We hailed a carriage pulled by horses which had been painted yellow and soon reached a large hall packed with people where I received a rapturous American reception. Go Pippin! Go Pippin! Go Pippin! Thank you, thank you. I shall start with my first book, Bleak Expectations. Ahem. I was born in 1806, the first child of Thomas and Agnes Bin. The American audience was more emotional than the British public, they gasped at points of excitement, <gasps> sighed at points of sadness, <gasps> and occasionally laughed inappropriately. <laughs> no, no, I, I said, and then she died. My sister Poppy died. Sorry. <laughs> and finally, I came to the end of my first reading on American soil. Thank you. I will now take questions. Sir, while I find your imagery hauntingly Shakespearean... Hogwash! It ain't hauntingly Shakespearean, it's evocatively Miltonic. There's only one way to settle this. Draw! Oh, hauntingly Shakespearean it is. <laughs> it was a huge success. It also provided a glimmer of hope for Ripley. Dear person claiming to be my husband... Yes, dear Swiss cheese memory wife. Your story has stirred a memory, though it is dim and half-formed like a badly lit room done by dodgy builders. Yes. Did we once eat soup together? Not just once, many times. We went on a tour of the great souperies of Scotland <laughs> and then swam in lock broth. Oh, you remember. Would now be a bad time to say... What is soup? Each evening I gave a reading while Ripley listened in hope of further jogging her memory. In the daytime, I experienced New York at first hand. I was able to watch New York's famous street naming committee in action. So, the big wide one. How about Broadway? Wide Street. Broadway. Wide Street. Draw! Broadway it is. <laughs> I also experienced the wonderful diners, eateries, and face-stuffing houses. I'll have the eight-ounce steak, please. It's not eight-ounce, sir. It's eight-acre. This was not the land of plenty. It was the land of far too much. But I loved this young, vibrant, possibly soon-to-be-obese country. <laughs> As did Harry. <sighs> New York has reinvigorated my inventing ambition. How so? I've invented a new invention so I can communicate with all my wives without going near them. How does it work? 
In Britain, when milk goes off, we go... But in this land of infinite ingenuity, they turn it into what they call yogurt, but which I shall insist on pronouncing yogurt. <laughs> you communicate via yo, yo, yogurt. yogurt. Uh, via yogurt pot and string. Uh, put this pot to your ear. Very well. Hello, Pit Bin. Can you hear me? Yes. It works. I'm going to make a fortune. Of course I heard you. I'm only three feet away. And I now have a sticky ear. I have purchased 200,000 pots of yoghurt and all the string in America. Soon, all the world will be talking on my string potophone. Meanwhile, my readings continue to triumph, even attracting my fellow writers. This is America's preeminent man of letters, Mr. Edgar Allan Twain. I write about happy-go-lucky American boys being terrified by mysterious gothic events. <laughs> Have you heard of Huckleberry Finn and the Pendulum? I I'm afraid not. Oh, mythize. What is that squeaking? Mice. I have mice. An old southern habit. Do you know my work? Yes, indeed. Your books are awful. I hate the way you make Mr. Benevolent less handsome and brilliant than he is. And he keeps losing, though he will not lose forever. <laughs> How odd. Your laugh sounds like his. Now, may I introduce my companion, Miss Trixie Bell, Calico Candy? Hello, Brother Pip. What? Um, I mean... Alas, she is mute. Am I? Oh, yes. <laughs> but she just said... Who are you talking to? Dear claims to be my husband. Hello, Ripley. I mean... <laughs> Do I know you? No, and she is for the last time mute. Sorry. Mute. <laughs> that sound, the tapping foot, the creaking gate, the crying child, disaster, blood and death. She turned pale, clutched her chest and staggered backwards into a huge pile of my books, which toppled on top of her. No, rightly. Oh, Pip! You remembered my name. Get in! <laughs> but then she slipped into book-battered unconsciousness. We must get her to a doctor. I can take you in my carriage. Excellent idea. <laughs> this is no time to laugh like Mr. Benevolent. And why are you winking at each other? We rushed rightly into Grimpunch's carriage, Alas, it could go but a short distance. The streets are tangled up with string. It's a huge slick of yogurt up ahead. <laughs> Harry! You've clogged up our whole city, you moot! I watched helplessly as they dunked him head first into the giant yogurt slick. We must help him. I don't think so. You have locked the doors? Yes, because we're not going to the doctor. We're going to visit someone much more evil. The dentist? <laughs> You'll find out. Drive up, turn around. But my wife... I don't care about your wife. I care about my vengeance. You killed my brothers. People have to stop taking me, killing their relatives so personally. My words were brave, but I feared this man's vengeance might cost rightly her life. As we left the string-jammed city, she stirred. Dear Pip, we frolicked like otters. You remember... We rode naked while the rest of your cavalry regiment was asleep. Um... <laughs> not actually me, I think. Rest now. All that night we crossed the unformed expanses of America. And as dawn broke, we came to a halt in a small, dusty town. Where, to my relief, I saw a familiar face. Mr. Edgar Allan Twain, you must help me. I have been kidnapped. Excellent work, Grimpunch. 
I watched in horror as he removed two false eyebrows from his eyebrows and a false hat from his hat. <laughs> Mr. Benevolent. And just removed my pants, meaning trousers, to reveal my trousers, meaning trousers beneath. <laughs> ah, leathery goodness. What have you done with Mr. Twain? No, 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 I was him. It was me. And your companion? Was me, your now evil sister. Such brilliant disguises. I cannot be blamed for not knowing. Now, quick explanation of my broader plan, and then it's death o'clock. There are vast federal contracts to landscape this young, unformed country, and Mr. Grimpunch and I have got most of them sewn up. We are digging a so-called Grand Canyon. With the spoil, we're building some rocky mountains. Mm. And we've just finished California. Bit of a botch job, actually. There's a huge crack in it. <laughs> it's made us terribly rich, and with that money, I shall, as usual, take over the world. Right, explanation over, Pip. Bin, time to die. The American way. By lack of medical insurance. <laughs> By gunfight. At noon, here at the All Right, I suppose, Corral. <laughs> here is a pistol and a cowboy hat that is nowhere near as cool as mine. When noon strikes, we draw. I understand. Soon, Pippin. <laughs> Any minute now. <sighs> Noon approaches. <laughs> oh, for heaven's sake, what time is it? It's just gone half past nine. <laughs> we were a bit early. Someone wind the clock forward. Done it. So, uh, prepare to die, Pip Bin. <laughs> I stood in the dusty street waiting for my destiny. In a nearby house, I could hear a baby crying. Behind me, a gate creaked ominously. And a spectator tapped their foot impatiently. These were the sounds of Ripley's childhood memory. Unless... It wasn't a memory, but a vision of the future. A future of blood and death. And those sounds of doom blended as if into a tune. <laughs> then, amidst that tune, I heard the faint whir of a clock about to strike. And I moved faster than I thought possible, my hand sweeping the pistol from its holster and leveling it at Mr. Benevolent before he had even twitched a muscle. No! There are no bullets in this gun. Just a small flag saying, ha, 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 but printed in an evil typeface. <laughs> I don't know where you got this pistol from, Mr. Benevolent, but I hope you kept the receipt. It is rubbish! Did I mention this wasn't going to be a fair fight? One empty pistol, one full. Mine. Six rounds, all for you. Goodbye, Pip Bin. I stared death in the face. It looked awfully big and scary, and I think it had been eating garlic. <laughs> But suddenly... Pip, I remember. Your autobiographical books falling on my head has rammed the knowledge back in. I remember you, Pip, and I love you. What lovely last words to hear. No! She lunged forwards, and I feared she was going to take the bullet herself. Instead, she sensibly shoved Grim Punch into its path. <laughs> I'm shot! It hurts! Coward, eh? Right in the heart. 
Luckily, I'm flint-hearted, so I'm basically fine. <laughs> then, for the second time, goodbye, Pip-Bin. My final moment had come. Again. But suddenly... No! As he fired, a yogurt-coated figure flung himself in the way. Harry, what are you doing here? A bit of string, potophone string, got caught on your carriage wheel. I was dragged all the way here. You took a bullet for me? Yes. Yes, but I'm fine. The yoghurt I was dunked in has nearly completely hardened to a bulletproof cheese. <laughs> oh, Harry, you are brave. You are so hot right then, Harry. All 93 wives are here at the same time. How come? I have become a Mormon. And <laughs> I'm now allowed as many wives as I want. 93 wives, Harry? Pippa, you left me for Mr Benevolent. Well, yes, but 93... In case Mr. Benevolent stole any, he could never steal all of them. Oh, goody, a challenge. <laughs> Harry's wives, would you like to become my evil accomplices? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> Harry could only watch as his 93 wives ran to Mr. Benevolent. But some good came from their betrayal. For in their way lay Mr. Grimpunch. No! Ah! Oh, trampled to death by 93 OAPs! I beg your pardon. Sorry, 92 OAPs and one hot Mexican. Ah! Right. For the third time, goodbye, Pip-Bin. You missed, Benevolent. Did I, though? To my horror, the bullet ricocheted off a steel trough. Off the clock bell, off a strangely metallic cow, <laughs> off a drum kit, and finally did not ricochet off me. Oh! Dear Pip, I shall help you. Seize her, accomplices. Sexy trousers. I will never come with you. Oh, you'll enjoy it rightly. Evil is fun. Really? Topless hotties in leather trousers. Oh, I'll give it a go. Yay! Don't worry, Pitbin. I shall help you. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, small problem. The yogurt has finally set into cheese, and I cannot move. <laughs> Sorry. Well, have fun dying together. Now come, evil accomplices. Let us rule the world. <laughs> but just maybe change these trousers. Oh, fine. <laughs> and they left. I was weakening from loss of blood. Harry was trapped in cheese. My wife had finally regained her memory only for me to lose her again. And Mr. Benevolent was on the march. Would I yet defeat him? Would I even yet live? Good grief, good Lord and good train. What did you do? That is for next time. No, come on, give me a hint. Did Harry eat his way free and then go to medical school, train as a doctor over a five-year period, then return and save you? No. Nope. Are you sure? I am so sure you could put the words George and Bernard before me. <laughs> return next time, and I shall tell you what followed in the pursuit of my beloved wife and unbeloved Mr. Benevolent. How I battled the sea waged war on loneliness and punched evil in the stomach. But at a terrible, terrible cost.
League Expectations was written by Mark Evans and starred Richard Johnson as Philip Bin, Tom Allen as Young Pip, Anthony Head as Mr. Gently Benevolent, James Barkman as Harry Biscuit, Jeffrey Whitehead as Randolph Grimpunch, Sarah Haddon as Ripley and Lily, Susie Kane as Pippa, and Mark Evans as Professor Mnemonic Recollection. The producer was Gareth Edwards. Thank you.